0: Welcome to the Transmission PR Podcast with me, your host, Abby Hawker. Whether you are an individual, agency, or organisation looking to improve your understanding of how best to interact with a gender diverse audience, you want to improve the way you engage with trans and non binary people, or you find yourself in the midst of a crisis, the Transmission PR Podcast can help. Join some of the leading names in diversity and inclusion for their five top tips on a range of topics and empower yourself with the tools you need to join the conversation. In this episode of the Transmission PR Podcast, I'm joined by Marty Davis from Advertising. Advertising recently launched a brilliant campaign, and I wanted to chat with Marty about some of the details. Today, I am very lucky to um, have Marty Davis with me. Thank you so much for joining me, Marty. Um, I know this is a very, very busy month for you with all of the many things that you're working on. I just wondered if perhaps um we might take a second for you to introduce yourself and share your pronouns and um tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing at the moment.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, firstly, thank you for having me on as well. Um, and it's really great to finally meet you as well. So um I'll start there. So, yeah, my name is Marty Davis, and I'm trans non-binary, and my pronouns are they and them um i'm an activist a campaigner a creative strategist a journalist community leader like various things uh, various hats that i wear um got a kind of a creative strategy and comms planning background in advertising and marketing and um yeah so i'm also so i'm the joint ceo of uh, an organization called advertising and so we're the UK's advocacy group for LGBTQIA inclusion in marketing and advertising. Um, so I've been doing that for about six months now in terms of like leading uh, the organization along with um, the brilliant other joint CEO, which is uh, Lucy. And um, yeah, also I'm the co-founder of a group called Trans Plus Adland. Uh, which is a grassroots community of trans, non-binary, intersex, gender non-conforming and questioning people, again, in um, advertising and marketing and also adjacent creative industries who kind of like stretch it out to, you know, campaigners, voice actors, um, artists, all those lovely things.
0: Amazing. Um, it, always ama- yeah. it always amazes me when people come on and they introduce themselves and there's this massive stream of things that people do. It sort of makes me think I should have tried harder at school, really. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I just, I find, I think maybe it's a symptom of my uh, st- starting to acknowledge my ADHD and I kind of like bounce from thing to thing. And um, the multiplicity of your identity is really interesting to me and what you lead with. Um, and often I find that people lead with, i take them me off on a tangent now, but you, you often find that people lead with where they, um, where they get their money from, where they yes. earn their money Um, but is that really their identity and who they see themselves as and what they actually do and deliver in the world so um, I've been thinking about that a lot recently and yeah all of these things are things that I do and I'm interested in and um, yeah actively engaged in Um, creative strategy and comms planning is where I make my money and where my consultancy is Um, that's what I kind of do uh, mainly at the moment but all of these other things are also what I do
0: amazing and and kind of one of the things that I'm always hugely grateful for is the intersection of being able to do what I'm good at with doing something that actually makes a difference and I think Mm -hmm. I mean it sounds very much like you have also moved yourself into a space where you can be all of those things and do all of those things and I think that that's just amazing. And I think it's what we should all be aiming for, quite frankly, in our day job. Um, So the reason I invited you on the podcast today was to talk about a campaign that you recently launched um, at the start of June to mark Pride Month. And the campaign calls for bravery and solidarity from advertisers looking to support the LGBTQ plus community. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about this. So this is through advertising.
1: Yeah, sure. So yeah, in our capacity and my capacity as um, leading advertising. Um, so essentially, um, yeah, our board board of members kind of came together and realised that there was a real need, actually, at the moment to have this unified statement um, that we can kind of ask brands to stand behind their commitments uh, around their pride campaigns. Um, obviously, we were seeing... What was going on in the states with Bud Light um, and you know you were seeing uh, brands that were previously always quite supportive sort of faltering in their support um, and struggling to navigate this Um, so we recognized that need that there needed to be some clarity and some reassurance given to brands like you know this is the right thing to do and what what is it that the community needs from you Um, so we pulled that together and like a really quite a fast uh, turnaround time, right? Because um, it was needed then, it was needed straight away. So what's been great is we've been able to get the endorsement of a range of organizations uh, from civil society and from ad land. Um, so, you know, organizations like World Federation of Advertisers, uh, which you know represents 90% of all ad spend in the world um, in terms of their members. You've also got, um, you know, ISBA, again, similar similar type of organization, the Advertising Association, DMA, the Marketing Society, IAB, and then a range of media agencies as well that obviously kind of mediate between that um, advertiser relationship and um, uh, the kind of the media media planning side, um, publisher relationships. So that's, you know, your Dentsu, great uh, publicist, um, kind of your... Uh, various uh, various different media agencies that um is a struggle to remember right now uh essence mediacom uh, Cara, like uh, yeah a, cu- a real range i mean i was really really happy with the world federation of advertisers um the, you know that that is a huge organization that is very really well respected among advertisers it has great um influence in the way that they guide their um advertisers um in responsibilities so To have them support this is really, really significant, actually. Um, But then to also have the support of our community as well in organisations like Stonewall, Pride in London, um, and, uh, yeah, GLAAD as well. Yeah, actually having that endorsement from civil society, it really brings everybody together around this really strong message to, yeah, ask brands to stand behind their campaigns and with specific, specific things we're asking them for as well.
0: And I think that it, that's just it, isn't it? It's almost like people just need permission mm. to do the right thing. It always strikes me as really crazy. You know, you see, we've seen a number of brands, this pride particularly, putting things up, having a mm. backlash, quickly taking it down, and then kind of hiding under the duvet. And its it was really needed for somebody to turn around and to say, hang on a second, it's okay to be the good guy it's okay to stand up for a minority group i know it's scary because you are getting pushback from a very vocal but not very big group of people and so i think that almost giving launching the campaign almost symboled uh, signaled a kind of um permission to do the right thing in a way
1: yeah thank thank you i think that's exactly what we hoped for right um it's it's a really simple message, really. It's that, you know, tra- in in essence, it's that trans people exist, LGBTQI people exist, and we belong everywhere in society that everyone else does. So, you know, trans people belong in ads. Uh, trans people belong in clothes. You know, all these kind of things. It's just like, what what are we talking about here? It's, it's just, it's a bit crazy to me that we're, we're at this level of conversation, and I think... You know it, it's understandable that brands um get a little bit nervous with any kind of negativity um and I think it's I think it's just helpful for them to be reminded of you know what what is they're doing I think it's been really too comfortable for brands actually until now um more recently to be able to you know have a rainbow on a logo uh there's there's not met much substance behind it it's you know great that there is some level of support there but there's no there's no not been a backlash or anything toward it um, until fairly recently. And it's quite coordinated now. It's um it's very much a coordinated um kind of unprecedented backlash, really. Um, and we're seeing, you know, it's an intimidation campaign really to to try and diminish our community's place in the world, uh, not just in advertising and marketing. I mean, that's obviously where we're focused, but it is it's much bigger broader than that
0: uh, and it's almost like brands need to kind of look at what does it say about you as a brand if you're not if you put something out and then you kind of cave when there is some pushback from a group of people who are being very negative um you know and and are effectively attacking a group another group of people and and the brand isn't able to stand by the fact that they put the campaign campaign out in the first place, it's like, well, why did they, what was their thinking in that, uh, you know, in taking it down and not standing by what they put out. And I think it must be, um, I appreciate that it can be scary. And, and as you said, you know, the brand brands don't like to necessarily put themselves out there. If they're going to get a backlash, they like to do it to get the, the kind of, um, the glow mm. effect that they, the, the, the for it to reflect well upon them and for them to kind of, you know, be doing the right thing. But I just think it's really interesting to see that um, there's been so much kind of reactive behavior and 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 that brands haven't just been looking at what everybody else has experienced and that they haven't learned from the playbook because there's a really clear playbook, isn't there? When, mm-hmm. you know, a brand chooses to do something proactive and, um, raises the trans and non-binary individuals or the broader LGBTQ um, community up and then gets sort of slapped down for doing so, This you can see how it plays out. And so I don't really understand why brands are not mitigating for that. Have you kind of, you know, had any, have you got any thoughts around that, around why it is that we're seeing it, we've seen it a number of times and, and people don't seem to be learning, you know, What's what's Mm. likely to happen if you if you go down this route, this is likely to happen. Therefore, we need to combat it beforehand.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are lots of brands that are getting it right. Uh, I think it's easy to focus on the ones that we kind of hear about backing down. Um, And I think that's probably one of the things that um, has been really unhelpful. Actually, this year is um, Bud Light um, reacting the, the way that they did and the level of attention that that got um and the attention around the um financial hit actually that they that they endured and i think also what's interesting to me is that the commentary around all of that is um, largely driven uh by people that aren't queer uh aren't of our community in newsrooms um on both sides of the atlantic so you don't really have those. You don't really have our community in the room to be able to um, discuss the narrative in in the way that would be appropriate. Um, you know, I've I've seen narrative around this discussed as that this is a um, this is a the the fable of this or the kind of the moral of this story is that neglecting your existing customers leads to disaster. And I just think that's absolutely not the moral of this story. The moral of the story is that if you do something, you back it hundred percent right? Um, they tried to, yeah, Bud Light really did a, a kind of a misstep by doing this campaign, but not doing it with their, their full heart. And and they kind of ended up alienating um our community, the LGBTQIA plus community. And they, you know, obviously alienated people that want to fire AR. Fifteen or whatever it is, I don't know which, what the numbers are of these guns into their 24 pack, you know, um, it's that as like a moment, I think has had uh, a really detrimental effect on not just their brand, our community. Um, and it's signaled to other brands uh, the wrong message because of the way that it's been, the narrative that's been surrounding it. I think that's the real problem this year, uh, coupled with the extent of the the backlash, because it's much more coordinated this year. Um, and it's like you said, it's a really loud vocal minority that feel emboldened right now. And also Twitter, it's had a lot of changes in the past year. And so there's a lot more um, encouragement of that at the moment.
0: Do you think that this is just a blip and almost it's reached peak crazy and that brands will learn the lessons come next year's Pride. And I appreciate that. I'm limiting it to Pride and actually support for the LGBTQ plus community should be happening all year round. But I think that sometimes, you know, it does get crowbarred inevitably into June. Um, I'm hopeful that, you know, this is just a kind of moment in which people are seeing you know, the way things play out and, they, and that this will be something that is learned from and in future people will plan their campaigns properly and, you know, it, they will be inclusive. They will talk to trans and non-binary people. They will kind of create campaigns which are meaningful and that actually tie in with their brand values. And obviously that's kind of where the strength lies from my perspective, because obviously if you're um, doing something that ties back into your brand values and then somebody comes and tries to pick it apart, it's very easy to argue why it is that you're doing it and to shut those conversations down
1: yeah I think I think you're right if you're doing it that's rooted in your brand values your inclusivity then it's really obvious what you need to do right and I think you know we're today I just I just read that um, that Forbes piece that we both actually contributed to right mm. and you were saying in it about um you know what you do in this situation is you double down or you go even even further in your support, and I think that is what we need to to be seeing to yeah double down on your values. They're your brand values, right? So <laughs> Just remind yourself that yeah, that's what's that's what's going on here. I think it's quite easy to feel kind of overwhelmed. I mean, personally, you I've, I've had a few pylons on Twitter, for example. It's a it's an overwhelming experience. Mm. Um, it can trigger you into feeling quite reactive. Um, and I think actually some brands are just letting themselves be led in that direction because they're just overwhelmed by the the coordinated nature of that attack. And it kind of disrupts them out of their normal decision-making almost, um, sometimes. And a lot of brands don't, but it, it, the, the worry is when you have a few that do, it kind of sets that, um, that tone for maybe this being the right course of action to back down, um, on your support for our community, um yeah i th- I think it's um for me i I'm try i I often am quite I kind of sit with a problem and then I quite quickly come to solutions, and I also'm a quite hopeful person um and the way that I've been viewing this a lot is um you've got sort of three there's it, probably more than this but I feel like there's three institutional forces in society that have a really big sway over where society moves um, and I feel like you've got you've got the you've got the media and the media has a huge influence on uh, what we think feel and do and the way that our media is incentivized a lot at the moment obviously there's not much inclusion of us in newsrooms so our narrative is diminished in there and also you know sensationalist negative things are what drives the most attention and the attention is what makes revenue for these media businesses right so we have a lot of commentary about our community because our community drives attention because we know that anyway um in if we're putting ads, for example, there's a reason why we're effective in ads um, as a community. We drive more attention. Um, and so we do so in the media as well. And so negative having us in media anyway drives attention. Having negative sensational things about us, it's double the amount of attention. And you can just see where that goes, the clickbait culture of okay, driving revenue through that. Um, so you've got you've got media as one of these institutional forces, which is incentivized to harm our community, essentially. Then you've got politicians, which need the media as well, are leaning into the narrative. And there's been calculations that have been made currently that it's politically politically expedient, maybe in the short term, to also cater to and lean into these narratives. So politicians are failing us as well failing our community. So you've got media, politicians, these two institutional forces that are really dominant in our society that can progress things um, for good or for bad, currently not doing the best for our community. And then you've got business. And there's a ton of reasons why business is incentivized to be inclusive of our community. Um, the business case is incredibly strong. And obviously the moral case is strong you know the moral case first of all is that you know we've got hate crime kind of rocketing um you know it's something like 126 percent increase in or 156 percent increase or something like that over the last five years um and then you've also got you know us going down the Ilga rankings from number one eight years ago to 17 um as a society as a as a country. And then also this, this kind of like mental health crisis, especially, well, everywhere for our community, but I've seen the, the data for our industry as well, right. Right, in particular. So you've got all these kind of moral reasons why we should be including people and looking out for our community more. But the business case is incredibly strong. Um, and I think if businesses actually look at that and we socialise that much better, then it's just so clear what you should be doing. And business can be one of these institutional forces and should be um, that can drive positive change for our community. And what's great is that business actually funds our media in some way, and um, like 50% of news publisher revenue is from, from brands, from ad spend. And businesses also, business is also listened to by our politicians um, most of the time. Um, so I, I think that business has this huge role to play. And like I said, you know, there's um, something like, um, I think I've got some stats here actually. So, you know, you've got um, two and three under 60s in the UK think it's important to fight discrimination against LGBTQ plus people. So people, these are consumers, this is what mm-hmm. um, people care about. Uh, and Deloitte talks about like more diverse and inclusive companies having higher levels of innovation and creativity. And greater brand appeal and loyalty with consumers who want socially responsible brands so in my world of like advertising and marketing you know if we've got more diverse and inclusive cultures i'm going to have a more profitable agency um any business wants that um greater brand appeal and loyalty and at the us as well like glad actually found that consumers are twice as likely to buy a brand if it's publicly supporting and demonstrating a commitment to expanding and protecting our rights um our lgbtq plus rights so even in the us where you know we're hearing all of this stuff with target you know it the business case is always there um and yeah and i, I just the way i'm thinking about this as well is that businesses just need to do more they need to listen they need to you know there's clear reasons why you would why you would support our community from a business point of view? If you don't, if you want to take the moral case out of it, just from a business point of view, um, it's there. And the best way to support our community is to ask us what we need. And obviously, I've just listed some of the places where we, as a community, need support. And you know what I would say as well is that, for example, London Trans Pride. Um, you know, every every year there's like a protest. So I went uh, last year actually, just for the first time. And it's a proper protest. It's like, you know, the Pride is a protest, right? And there aren't, there isn't a brand, uh, there aren't brands represented there. It's very much a, a protest movement. And they've got a GoFundMe page right now for 15,000 uh, pounds total. And they're currently just under 10 grand, I think. And I just, I know that any brand out there that um, could throw 5K at that. And that is, That is what the trans community is asking for. That's just one example. Um, And they're there trying to, you know, it's only a few months out and 5K could just be thrown at this organisation. And you don't need to shout about it. (laughs) You just need to help our community.
0: When you do read the business case and you look at the numbers of organisations, especially, it feels like, especially in the last couple of years that have really Put the focus on diversity and inclusion. Why do you think if business is starting to cotton on, why is why politicians sort of? I appreciate that they have their agenda and there's a kind of reason that they're playing into sort of these far right ideologies, but I would have thought the money would kind of push them towards the business mentality of of kind of i don't know doing the right thing
1: <laughs> i mean you might get the my political side coming out here i i just think this the uh i i think sanity has left the conservative party at the moment um and and when they are acting with some level of kind of logical decision making as a, as a party they always do listen to business and I, I think there was an example actually with like liz i think liz truss I'm going to get some of these details wrong but I think Liz Truss was announcing um I think when she I, I, can't, I can't remember exactly when this was if this was the the latest years the six the six weeks that she was in uh in post but she was talking about um bringing in uh I think it was like a bathroom ban or something for for trans people um or some sort of restrictions and around that and a lot of business leaders came together a lot of business came together and uh essentially said this is this doesn't work and we don't want this and she backed down quite quickly so politicians do listen and recently these politicians that we have at the moment that seem to be making really quite odd decisions um if i'm being polite uh they they are listening to business i think it's I think what we lack a little bit in our community is um, the coordination of these efforts like this statement. When we're all volunteers with advertising, this is mm. not something I, I, I do as a, as a job. Um, and I I feel a little bit like, you know, you can see like with the weight of these of businesses and actually we'd like to extend um, our offer to join and endorse a statement to brands mm. um, before the Pride month is out, but having this weight of endorsement is a signal to politicians that this is the right course of action uh but it's having it's having kind of these organizations that are able to kind of progress these types of initiatives that then show our politicians that um this is the correct course but we're volunteers this is just a volunteer effort
0: that's the difference isn't it but that's the difference as well there's yeah the coordination comes from the money and the
1: that's the difference our you know our opponents are anti-LGBTQI plus opponents are much more coordinated there's a lot more money um so our coordination needs to improve that's and we need money to do that and that's hard um I think that's a big problem with our sector
0: I'll make sure I put a link to the uh, advertising campaign in the show notes and then people can all the lovely brands out there that want to show their support and solidarity Mm -hmm. can can join
1: I Should um, I should actually say what the statement says, shouldn't I? Yeah, please what, do. How, yeah, because I just realized that yeah, I've talked broadly about it, but not actually the substance of it. I mean, it's um, it's very clear, it just is basically saying how you can stand your ground this Pride month and every month. Um, so it's brands with pride ads run them. Um, ca- brackets in that that there are definitely brand campaigns in pocket right now that are not being run because brands are nervous um so not just to stand by them run them um brands working with um plus talent protect them so we're talking about mental health and we're talking about dylan mulvaney's of this world they're being platformed in these ads um if you've got event plans so if you're attending pride in london keep that event plan um and if you've got pride products, display them. Um, so don't do what Target did and relegate them to the back of the store or, or remove them completely. Um, brands with rainbow logos, logos back up that declaration with meaningful actions. So what I mean by that is, you know, what are you actually doing to help the community? Are you, are you giving to um, charitable organisations? Are you helping us with what we need? What are we asking for? Um, and if you're coming under attack, braving the backlash. Um, don't backtrack from your commitments. Um, in fact, like you said, double down. And brands with media spend, invest in media that matches your values and divest from media that spreads, dis- spreads disinformation. Um and that one's a really important one because that is what I was talking about before about this 50% of um news publisher revenue comes from advertisers. World Federation of Advertisers have backed this statement, which is 90% of all ad revenue and when i'm talking about disinformation about our community it's across a lot of our media mm-hmm. um, so this is a huge hugely significant um pledge that is being backed here and the the key to that is going to be in enforcement in actually standing behind that and really evidencing that you're you're changing your media planning and buying as a result of this this is a big moment for our community and it's a big moment for our industry and it requires um, some bravery to actually change these relationships that we have at the moment.
0: equally. it does re- it does require some bravery, but it's like anything, isn't it? Once you get that you know the first few falling and the, the 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 brand signing up and the the advertisers signing up and and pledging that they will double down, they will work harder, they will stick by their commitments. Um, whereas we have a situation at the moment where people are, as you said, keeping their campaigns in their pockets because that's what everybody else is doing, Mm. the more people start to say, okay, I'm going to stand by this pledge and I'm going to stick by it. And they, they continue with their campaigns and they become more savvy in understanding how to mitigate against the backlash. And when people start to see that it's a safe environment, Mm-hmm. which seems crazy because we're talking about, we're not talking about a marginalised group here, we're talking about kind of massive organisations with massive spend. But once they see that it is safe, once they see the benefits, then they'll just, everybody will will kind of begin to follow that line of thinking, is the is the hope.
1: I think so, Anna. I think my big hope actually is also bringing, bringing brands with this attention that's on this at the moment, bringing brands consciousness much closer to the outcome of what their ad spend does. Because um, you've seen you know, a 217% increase in stories over the last five years about trans communities. So any, any stories in the UK media with transgender in them, trans in them. 217% increase in those stories over the past 5 years and at the same time 156% increase in crime hate crime based on transgender identity there's a correlation there and before this pride season this was ongoing right there was an increase in this rhetoric and this disinformation and sensationalism about our community um and you've at the same time had this increase in hate crime and it, it needs to be that advertisers wake up to their complicity here that they are unknowingly funding um a large anti-trans campaign uh, and it's growing because the the numbers are just increasing um and it's getting more and more vitriolic so it needs it needs some change to this ecosystem this clickbait sensationalist Um, kind of ecosystem and like targeting not just our community but the intersections of that as well right we're seeing that with misogynistic kind of content we're seeing it with our anti-semitic content we're seeing it with anti-black content it's it's got to be addressed um, and it's a huge thing to address I think advertisers business can address it and this is what the community needs Um, it needs all of those other things we my view rainbows on logos are great like it's it's great it needs some substance though um i don't want to discourage brands from doing anything to show allyship as long as it's authentic and if you're on a roadmap to change that's great look after your employees uh, make sure everybody's being included make sure that you're doing your best um but i don't want to see loads of rainbow logos go into the closet i don't want to see that Mm. i want to see people doubling down progressing and moving on society forward because business is this huge institutional force like i said that can drive the change in the other institutions as well
0: sounds fantastic it sounds like it's you know going in and, and and focusing energy in that space feels like it is it is coordinated and it is kind of it does have some strength to it i guess now what we need is um not only for people to sign but also for budget to start flowing a little bit in that direction so that it can be more, um, I guess, well, less reliant on people who are having to um, put their time and energy into it for free.
1: It needs to be a policy position within a brand. It needs to be driven by the DEI and i team. It needs to be kind of consulted with the um, the ERG, the LGBTQIA plus network. Um, it needs to be a point of like, this is how our brand shows up in the world. This is how our brand can have an influence in the world. And this is what we believe. And so we believe in supporting inclusive media. We believe in divesting from that disinformation. At the moment, it's just too distant. Like the the relationship's far too too distant for a brand to be aware of it almost. I'm not going to, you know, I I really believe that there's just not enough awareness of it. It's socializing that because um, I don't think if you're truly an inclusive brand that you want to be doing that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that um, this is cynical in any way. I believe that. Brands are just not that aware of it and their their consciousness needs to be raised to it and then that needs to be tackled. And they are the the ultimate power here. They have the money. They need to drive that demand into media agencies, into um, the ecosystem, into the programmatic spend. Um, All of that can can be driven by the money and that's where the advertisers um, sit.
0: Amazing. It's, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today, Marty. I've really, I've loved listening to you and to kind of hear all your thoughts on it. So as I said, I'll pop the links to the campaign in the show notes so people can get involved and uh, understand a bit more about it. And as Marty said, there's um, they contributed to a really excellent article, which is in Forbes today. So I'll pop a link to that in as well. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Abby. It's been so lovely to actually get to chat to you finally. So. Thank you.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Transmission PR podcast. Don't forget to subscribe if you would like more of the same. You can connect with us on social media at TransMPR on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website, transmissionpr.com, or connect with us on LinkedIn via Transmission PR or Abby Hawker.